Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, C-H-I-E-F to the D-O-G, joined by you in Australia. It's Jobs 8, I'll wear my second. Yeah, that, that last bit sounds a little bit close to the bone in terms of uh, a dodgy phrase, but I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> it's a South African colloquialism, man. Yeah, okay, okay. You may have heard, listeners, uh, and another laugh in the background. That's right, because we managed to drag someone in off the street into the Talking Joe studios to join us for this special episode, and it is none other than Matt Miller, a.k.a. Mate Mylar, hero of toy photography across the globe. How are you, sir? I'm well. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a, a blast. Just a pleasure. Fantastic. So glad that you were able to join us uh, behind the curtains reveal here. We're actually late recording because Steve forgot that he had another prior engagement. Uh, Got to make the bacon, baby. <laughs> like $15 an hour. Oh, jeez. Is that Teaching what it is? Oh. English. Yeah, no, no. They're killing me, man. I need to find a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, how have you been? How's your week been? Oh, me? Yeah, you, man. What? Okay, so, uh, well, I, I've just been holding the Ford Kimson working like a dog, but she's now got the week off, and I'm dying to do some retro gaming, man. I'm inspired by the most recent um, Streets of Rage 2020, so okay. I'm going to do a, a replay of a 1, 2, and maybe 3 uh, with Kim as my player too. It's the wow. one game that we can actually play together. She likes it. Okay, yeah. I might uh, also, now you've given me homework, I've got to fire up that Streets of Rage, I guess. Buddy, uh, best, yeah. best, best. Which is better, the first or the second? Second, I think. Yes, very good. Yes. Matt, new guest on the show. How has your week been? Busy? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel it with whatever's going on at the moment, not working uh, because of the whole state of the world. Uh, I'm an audio engineer, so there's like there's no live concerts. There's uh, there's none of that going on. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm just playing with GI Joes, doing photos, uh, doing some housework, some renovations, and. Yeah, just yeah. just having fun. Good stuff, good stuff. You're over in Nova Scotia, correct? That's right. Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Yes, yes. I, I've i been, I think, close-ish. You, you, you can approximate it better than me, but I did do camping in Maine once, nice. which is, I guess, not too far away. No, no, it's, uh, let me see, maybe seven, eight-hour drive. All right, okay, not too yeah. bad. I got, I, had a, I got a friend who used to live in Boston, and I went over there to visit him, and then we took a road trip and went camping up there. So, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, Maine's nice. Yeah, very good, very good. We uh, got some lobsters, boiled up some lobsters. That was pretty cool. Freezing yeah, at night. But... <laughs> yep. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, I'm just trying to think what I've been up to. Not much, really, to be honest. Um, starting a new podcast. It's in the early stages. I think it's going to be called The Sporting Saloon, where... Me and a rotating cast of co-hosts take a look at a sporting event from the past that's maybe anchored by a documentary or a TV show and then kind of break down the show and the events around that period. And me and my Bosnian friend, Big Z, uh, took a look and a breakdown of The Last Dance, which 
aired recently on ESPN and Netflix and we have a good long chat about that era of basketball the kind of late 80s early 90s and yeah it's a good chat so look for episode one of that coming soon we've got a few more lined up which will be good but what it does mean is that my evenings are ramajammed with editing and recording at the moment so uh, all busy what, what show is this chief uh, what, what show are you currently recording man do, do you remember <laughs> is this uh the clone wars dispatch uh, yes it is yeah. yes okay so yeah on season one episode four of clone wars no women that's all right <laughs> oh and on the topic of cold nights chief i'll have you know not only am i wearing a shirt i'm even wearing pants uh i am absolutely distraught because all week my opening line was going to be, the, the world demands to know, the question on everyone's lips is, is Steve wearing a shirt? And I completely blanked on it as my opening gambit for the intro to the show. And luckily you've bailed me out by reminding me. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you said you were wearing a shirt and pants. Even pants. Yep. Wow. Okay. Is the shirt a button-up? It's uh, uh, press studs. Uh, listen to this. Oh, ah, I love it. <laughs> Destro, baby. Where's my gold chain at? <laughs> Where's your baroness? Yeah. Um, listen, I am uh, hungry in my loft. I don't know about you two boys, but uh, it's time to go for the snack police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy. Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy. Chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky. Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers. Attackers. Bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers. Munchers. Crunchers. Knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there. His house. Okay, who wants to go first? We've got a trifecta of snacks today. Uh, Matt, as the guest, let's. Uh, if you've got one, have you got a snack? I do have a snack. Yes, uh, I, I'm a big cracker fan. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you guys have this where you're at, but uh, um, vegetable thins. They're they're made with vegetables and. Yeah, they're they're all over here. Had them as a kid, ate them all growing up. And uh, anyway, so the grocery store, uh, just the regular generic brand name. I didn't really recognize the package, so I grabbed it real quick. Didn't really look at what the flavor it was. It just assumed, okay. yeah, they're, you know, my regular vegetable thins. Got them home. It's not my regular vegetable thins. They're, oh, they're something no. different. So uh, fire roasted vegetable thins is what I have. So, um, yeah, I'm going to crack into Let's them now it. and... Let's uh, let's see how these compare to uh, what I grew up with. There's got to be some crunch going on here. Yeah, do it. Crunch yeah. away. All right, here. Here it goes. Mmm. Mmm. It was a very civilized yeah. crunch. Matt. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> the verdict? These are lovely. Excellent. One for one. It's got that vegetable taste, but it's like um, red pepper hummus. Fire roasted. Yeah, yeah, red pepper, fire, roasted hummus flavor on top of the... So uh, in the UK, the closest approximation would probably be a bag of crisps or, I guess, potato chips, uh, but just of varying different vegetables, so parsnips, beetroot, things like that, so the different colors. But these are all kind of the same generic shape, size, and color? Exactly, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, salt, tomato, powder, carrots, um, onion... Okay. Yeah, the good, good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. S-Jubs, fire it up. Chief, are you a Kit Kat fan? Well, when I used to eat dairy, yes, I would eat a Kit Kat, definitely. Right on. And Matt, have you ever heard of a chocolate called a Kit Kat? Oh, absolutely. 
Alright, okay. Well, I found something called Triple Chock Whirl, which really just is a, a cheap sales ploy. It's probably got <laughs> dark chocolate, white chocolate, and milk chocolate just kind of yeah. swirled up, you know? It's yeah. made but how would you know? Surely they could maybe even just say it's triple chocolate, but just put one chocolate in. How would you know? Well, because it has the different colours, of course. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> I'm about colors, to fine. peel the the slab open. I mean, this is a relatively recent innovation. The idea that you can reseal the uh, the wrapper. Because oh, wow. that's... No, wait a minute, wait a minute. So back in the day, Kit Kat in the UK was a two fingered bar only. Uh, then it then it elevated up to a four finger bar. Uh-huh. And then it went to you can still get those variations I think, but then it went to just kind of a a single more chunky. It got called Kit Kat Chunky in the UK. It's just a one big fat bar. What yeah, man, I was a fan of the Kit Kat Chunky, and never such a fan of the uh, the the fingers because they're just pretty basic. Yeah. But these ones, yeah, man, it looks like a, a top deck, Cadbury's top deck. There's kind of white chocolate mixed in with dark chocolate. But as I say, just a desperate sales pitch. But it's worked because the novelty got me to purchase it. Let's see if I like it. <laughs> I broke off one of the fingers and it's gone in the mouth. Hmm. That's Kit Katty. Yeah. <laughs> Another civilized crunch. Oh, shut up, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Did that sound like an African? Yeah, uh, it sounded African? a bit more. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, lion roar. <laughs> what do you go first, Chiefy? So here I've got, I sent you a picture, I've got a problem. I've got a serious, serious problem with these things called proper chips, sea salt lentil chips. Now, I also have another problem, which on next week's Out of Timers, which we've already recorded, cheap plug already, I discuss my fascination at the moment with hummus. I cannot stop, I probably eat one can of chickpeas, which I make into a hummus every single day at the moment. I cannot get enough. And to go with that, <laughs> I need something to dip it in. And I'm not dipping, like Ben was saying, oh, he dips out come the celery sticks and the carrot. Get rid of that junk. Uh, I might be, you know, dairy free and trying to be vegan, but I'm not stooping so low as to put vegetables in my hummus. I need something to dip some chunky kind of chip or crisp or cracker or something like that. So the reason I bought these, and the simple reason was I was looking for something that was cheap, and these were £2 sterling, reduced to £1, and I thought I'd give these a go. And I got them home, and they lasted about five minutes. Now, this is a big bag. It's um, 85 grams, but it's like the size of like a 150-gram bag, so they're very light. They're lentil. I'm opening them up, and... Oh, man, these are incredible. I'm having one right now. And... I had to go back to the supermarket and ended up buying 10 bags. Oh, my word. Stop up. <laughs> and then the missus, I bought, there's a barbecue flavor one. And I bought those. And then she opened them. And she was like, these are amazing. And she smashed the whole bag. So I had to go back and buy like 10 bags of them. So I got like 20 bags of these proper chips, sea salt, lentil, and barbecue. I'll post the images up on the socials, anyone in the UK. Please, please go and buy some. Now, actually, don't go and buy them because I don't want you buying stock from my local store and I don't want you getting the same problem that I've got, this addiction. Oof. I suppose it But could you know what crack- this means, of course, Chief? The stars are in alignment. We are three for three. Three, three for decent three. snacks. Hey, mm. good. good stuff. Very I've good. stuck another finger in my mouth. I can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, listen, we are all snacked up. So it's time to get comic up, because it's time for Comic Talk. It's Comic Talk, it's Comic Talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. 
Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. No, I can't find the issue now. Are you digital or are you uh, hard copy, Matt? I, I, I'd prefer to be hard copy, but I'm all digital. Uh, it's really hard tracking down hard copies these days true, locally here. True, true, yeah. Right, right. So we are covering issues 189 and 190, which is the concluding part of a two-parter and then the start of a new exciting storyline. And I had a blast with these issues. Let's quickly take a look at the covers. So again, we've just got the regular and the retailer incentive. The regular cover has got the, the Robo Skull, the Flying Skull. Is it called the Robo Skull or just the Flying Red Skull? Uh, Robo Skull. Yeah, man. Robo Skull. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it is bearing down on the whale, which is nice. And Very the retailer nice. incentive, I'm just looking at Larry's pencils here. Pretty much, you know, pretty much got the same image. I don't yeah. think Gallant has done much with this. You boys like yeah. this cover? Yeah, I'm digging this cover. I find it interesting Larry's pencils only has the single gun on the tub guns, whereas the, the final has the uh, the two, like the toy. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. It, it, well, I mean, he's got two gunner positions, but yeah. each one just mounts a single turret. Very good. Yeah. Nice one, Matt. Details. Uh, and then let's jump forward to the next one, which is 190, and you've got Major Blood kind of standing execution style over Lady J uh, in the jungle. Now, slight, I guess they've put her in her battle togs so that she's recognisable, but I don't, she's not actually wearing this get-up in the issue, is she? No. No. It's kind of broken down in the issue. She's just wearing a, a tank top. Yeah. And looking at Larry's pencils, he's the definite change here for Major Blood's right gun arm, whereas he's kind of uh, holstering or taking the gun out of his holster on the finished cover but he's got the guns kind of pointing way over lady j's head on larry's pencils i love the finished artwork gallant okay. he, he created some ambiguity is blood drawing his weapon or is he putting it away yeah yeah and the kind of time of day that you get from that haze jeepers that is that that's some also some modern comic book technology that's you know, wasn't around in the ARR run. Yeah. Like, to have that kind of fade, that, that, that haziness. Yeah, definitely. And you know me, I love the light effects, like Major Blood's <laughs> kind of technical aspects of his armor and his uh, gauntlet, yeah. sort of showing up in that glowing red striping. It Fantastic, does man. Cool. It Is it red. powered armor? Yeah. Are, we, oh, are yeah. we taking that to be powered armor, or does he have a robot hand? <laughs> yeah, must be powered armor. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The debate rages. What do you say, Matt? Uh, I I I'd like to answer that question with a yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. split down the middle. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm saying it's powered armor. Oh, then what are you saying, Matt? Uh, I'm going to go with a, uh, a cyborg hand. There we go. Okay. Yes. Yeah. What's your deciding vote then? Uh, no, buddy. I'm I'm not going to. Fence. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ple- ple- plead the fifth. I'm going to remain Switzerland okay, on right. this one. Okay, <laughs> Matt. In terms of your um association with gi joe from a comic point of view how far back does that go uh as a kid uh, issues were hit or miss i think my first one was issue 63 that i bought just on snake eyes being on the cover alone okay uh read that i might have been six or seven when i got that and uh really had no idea what the story was going on it was i was very familiar with the cartoon so there's a lot of things that 
uh, were very different, contrasting from the cartoon. Uh, that being said, uh, over the years, I have uh, read the comics a number of times. I'm going back and rereading from the start again. Uh, I'm up to issue, uh, I think, early 40s, late okay. 30s, maybe. Yeah, so more of a cartoon point of view, but yeah, very familiar with the uh, the big talking points from the comic, like cool. uh, Snake Eyes and Scarlet and that sort of thing. Yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, in terms of these two issues here, let's just a quick recap. Let me flip the page. Last time on A Real American Hero, the Black Major and his Red Shadows have joined with local pirates to board an oil survey ship off the coast of East Africa. Stalker and his team lead the charge, as two other teams, one led by Lift Ticket, the other led by Duke, lend air support and provide intelligence. Their mission, rescue the hostages, most prominently Dr. Adele Burkhardt. Once on board, the Aiden Explorer, things quickly get out of hand. The Black Major betrays the pirates, Stalker's team fights the Red Shadows through an intense storm topside, and Duke and his team are confronted by a flying skull ship. Ooh, a flying skull ship, you say. (laughs) Now, I'm going to point that out. my, My first thought here is... The flying skull ship doesn't actually get much page time, really. I, I'd kind of got 10, 12 pages in, and I was thinking, wait a minute, what happened to that concluding page on the last issue? The Robo Skull was bearing down on the whale. Surely it's going to open with kind of that happening. Now, it does appear, obviously, on the first page, although in panel very small, but it doesn't really do much else other than that until later in the issue. What more do you want, Chief? Damn, man. <laughs> well, I just a thought tri- I just triple thought, play happening here. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be have more focus, considering they kind of made a thing of it on the last page of the last issue. But I don't, I don't necessarily mind it. But do you miss your toy, mate? <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As in, mate, you're calling me, mate. You're not oh, calling geez. Matt, mate. Yeah, I know. I need to watch that. I'm trying to get all like colloquial and, and like Brits on you, but <laughs> it's going to backfire today. Um, but yes, you you established in the last episode that you had a Robo Skull and you yeah. sold it off for a mountain bike. Oh dear, Chiefy. Well, what can you do? What can you do? Buy another one, I guess, is the answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what what struck me here is especially when you see the images inside the whale. I love this kind of green glowing lighting effect that's used throughout every, any of these panels where it's inside the whale. It looks it's really clever. Beautiful. It helps to visually set the scene too. Like at a glance, you know that okay, this is happening in the whale as opposed to what's happening on the ship or uh, in the Robo Skull. Like the uh, the hard colors really help sell that. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely, because the action is pretty intense, like you said, on the ship and in the whale, mm. and it it could be easily depicting either of those scenes, but they definitely make a clear distinction there with the colouring. Very clever, very clever. It's pretty important to understand the configuration of a whale as well. You know, Cutter's been kind of placed inside, you know, it's kind of created a, a bridge inside the whale, which, of course, isn't true of the toy necessarily. But what is cool in that that interior shot is that you're seeing Shipwreck and Duke scrambling up to the gun tubs from the inside, which is something that, you know, if you were able to manipulate toys inside a whale, they could effectively do that. Of course, you'd have to imagine it because even a child's hands couldn't reach down (laughs) into those gun tubs and pull a figure out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things look bad early on because even on page two, you know, it looks like Duke's a goner. Yeah. Did you notice that it's all set on black? Like, all of a sudden we've traded typically a sort of white paper stock for, like, black? 
You know, it's printed on black. Oh, wow. Good eye. Beautiful. Yeah. Is that, oh, that particular page, you mean? Yeah. Nice yeah. choice. Yeah. All the, ba- the panel borders are all, all black as opposed to whites on the other pages. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't spotted that. It comes up again um, in other uh, parts of the story. I wonder if there's any particular reason for that. And it reminded me of something that um, I took note of in the, um, the, the... There was a documentary on the Batman the Animated Series, uh, which said that all the backgrounds were, were done on black paper. All right. Which just gave it that very noir yeah. feel. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I mean, it works in this issue, definitely, for those pages. Yeah, I found another one here. It's, it's really effective, actually. But um, this is a balls-to-the-wall storyline, isn't it? Concluding part. It's very filmic, cinematic... I can I can kind of picture this as a live action storyline and there's no let up and it's a credit to Harmer and Gallant that this kind of pace and the dialogue and the the art throughout doesn't miss a beat and nothing feels excessive or out of place or everything feels spot on to me. In G.I. Joe the movie, would this be the first mission that gets the ball rolling or would this be the final showdown? It feels like a final showdown to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I second that. So they've been trying to like track down Black Major this whole time. Finally, they've got him cornered. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a uh, question answered for me at the end of the last issue was Adele Burkhart shot, but no, it was the actual, the pirate dude, the, the Ngoto's brother-in-law has mm. almost sacrificed himself to jump in front of the bullet from the Black Major. Now, it doesn't really explain why if Black Major was going to kill Burkhart and he offed someone else instead... Why didn't he then just point the gun back at Burkhart and shoot her? But maybe he re- realised that she was more effective as a hostage. Gun jam? <laughs> <laughs> or, no, I mean, shit really hit the fan from that point onwards. I mean, maybe he had other things to take care of. He was like, no, I can execute these guys later. They're not a threat right now. Let me, you know, the Joes are creating bedlam yeah. down there. So Lots of Joes injured as well. Wild Bill's down, Beachhead's down. Uh, who else is down? They even say gung-ho has been clipped, yep. but it doesn't seem to reduce his combat effectiveness. <laughs> <laughs> He's supporting Beachhead at one point. Yeah. I'm just flicking through the issue, just, you know, marveling at how, how good the art here is. It's fantastic. It's great. Matt, do you have an MVP from this issue? Ooh, uh, I really enjoyed seeing Black Major. Yeah, it, it was nice to see how Larry wrote him uh, and how it kind of fit into this universe. He was the star for this. Big time. Yeah. 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 Were you were you familiar at all with the character prior to his appearance in this continuity? Uh, yes, just from the research I've done on uh, 3D Joes and uh, Yojo.com about yeah. Action Force and uh, Red Laser and whatnot. I, I love the designs. I'd love to army build them one day, but uh, <laughs> not uh, not for a little while. Um, no. Yeah, it's just a great additional faction uh, that adds some flavor. Yeah, really, and it had this is a great two part. It's very special missions feel to it. Just mm. just by simply substituting Cobra and Cobra Commander or Destro and the Iron Grenadiers for this other faction, just gave it you know a, a bit of a shot in the arm. I thought you know breaking up the consistent Cobra Pit brainwave scanner vibe we had, and just really nice little two part here. Definitely roadblocks up to up to his old tricks here with the with the 50 cow loving it yeah big time what's he actually done here he's he's jumped off the tomahawk and he's got this cable this winch cable which he's passed through the tomahawk and clipped it on the other side is that simply to stop the tomahawk from rolling off the deck yeah okay 
<laughs> that's that puts him in mvp territory as well <laughs> gee whiz roadblock is the man i love how he's explaining what he's doing as he's jumping through the the tomahawk yeah uh i fear that's larry yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh it made per perfect sense as i was reading it like this is exactly how i expect a gi joe story to unfold it it's mm. just seems right Oh no! There's a cool bit with Wild Bill, and he's uh he shot one of the red shadows. He's almost like blowing the smoke off the barrel of his six shooter. <laughs> I take it that's your your favorite player in this game, Chief. Uh, I am a big Wild Bill fan. Uh, Roadblock's one of my top top five all time. So I don't know. I, difficult because you have got a good squad here. I mean, Stalker's not put on the sidelines on this issue, but. He's not given as much page time as the other Joes. Obviously, we're all big Stalker fans here. I, I guess Matt's a big Stalker fan as well. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. 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 I love Torpedo, seeing him kind of very, very tactical. You know, taking point. He's a badass. And <laughs> such a badass, in fact, that he didn't even unclip his weight belt. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he's in combat and he's carrying about, you know, five or six extra kilograms. Yeah, he's got to shed a few pounds, man. <laughs> Honorable mention to Cutter for uh, taking out that Robo Skull. Oh, that wound was sick where he oh kind of my. rolls the whale so that the, the gun <laughs> can get a bead on the skull. It was a couple hours after I actually read the story that I was processing what I had read and the awesomeness of that moment hit me. Like, yeah, yeah inverting the whale and, <laughs> and then using the fans to turn it back over before it hits the water. Yeah. That is yeah. sick. That's amazing. Love that. You know, that that deserves to be live action seen in an action movie somewhere because yeah, that's quality. Love yeah, it. you almost need it to be. It's it it's very, very difficult to convey that in sequential arts. Yeah, yeah, which is why you've got the heavy exposition. <laughs> totally. But um, something uh, also to note about the hovercraft and, you know, if you are familiar with its structure. So Duke gets hit in the gun tub. Instead yep. of slinking down into the, the, the sort of concealed and, and sheltered belly of the craft, Shipwreck moves him to, like, the conning tower. Right. <laughs> Exposed <laughs> to the rain. Uh, and, and Prince and Goto then clambers. I mean, I'm, I'm reading between the lines, but he must have clambered out the turrets over the top of the whale and into that conning tower to then administer uh, first response. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Why didn't he just? Why didn't Duke just slink back down into the the whale? I'm gonna answer my own question. I guess it's more dramatic this way. Right. Yes. Yes. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, that's why you're here. That's why you're here to uh, to pose these difficult questions and pick those nits. Yeah. Exactly. Jeez. Uh, good stuff. Shut um, up, S. Jobs. And the 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 kind of concluding thing here is that the black major gets away. Because they think they've got him and he's kind of almost kicked the Red Shadow pilot, the Roboskull pilot, out of the vehicle. So he can... It's clearly a one-man TIE Fighter-style craft. Well, I'm sure you could have fit You could have fit two in there. Uh, I think it does seat a second. I think the toy, if I'm not mistaken, you can fit two figures in there. Yeah. There's a, the, a rear-facing turret section. Uh Come on, Chief. Yeah. You're <laughs> down the side, man. Does a Roboskull hold a second occupant? I don't know. You had the toy. You tell us. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. The t you know, this was 30 years ago. I don't but. understand what happened in the, the final two pages of this issue. Right. It, okay. it, it's inexplicable. Did the Roboskull not crash into the boat? 
Uh, let me see where it was last seen. What did you get from that, Matt? I that mean, was did... my impression before I got to the last page was, yeah, the RoboSkull crashed into the boat. Suicide run. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, of course, I see it coming forward. You see the thum, and it is blown to smithereens, you would assume. The pilot falls down the, the staircase. Yeah. Now, however, if you take a close-up on that RoboSkull in the second-to-last panel of the issue, there is some battle damage to a side of the skull but it doesn't really marry up with the explosion we saw it looked a lot bigger than just some dents on the skull yeah and all of the engines seem to be functioning optimally yeah Yeah. i guess black magic knows how to coax something extra out of his robo skull yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm looking at pictures online of the robo skull right now i'm seeing a couple of hatches but i i can't really confirm if there's a second seat or not yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry listeners we failed you tonight (laughs) (laughs) but you're right i should have known the answer to this but someone someone will tell us i do know that the pilot's name is red wolf okay or the classic pilot i guess this wasn't red wolf this was just rank and file faceless red shadow pilot johnny numb nuts (laughs) okay so let's uh let's yojo this steve i know you said last week that as a single issue, you thought it was a, a 10. As a two-part storyline, how many Yojos are you giving it? A uh, 10. 10? Okay, I, there it is. I have no shame. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, was great. Yeah. This is a real page-turner. This was not a chore, not in the slightest. Uh, there's some interesting um, character elements that, that you don't expect. Um, some some warring... Um, actually, no, I'm talking about the next issue. <laughs> this is balls to the wall action and that's all it needed to be and yeah it didn't put a foot wrong in that respect okay um matt what's your yojo edge on this i'm going with 10 for this um i especially like at the end where the hostages are are walking down the stairs and they're saying well uh, it's apparent none of us have changed our worldview but uh we can still agree to there's room to negotiate and we can keep our humanity it almost felt like a a psa from the uh the early (laughs) cartoons Right. Uh, almost, but not quite. But underlying all this awesome action, there's uh, you know, a, a message to take home. Uh, yeah, that's a good yeah. point because you know, like we said, it's balls out action. But let's not forget this storyline started with the political intrigue and the boat being hijacked and the the opposing points of view, etc. And then, like you said, Larry kind of doesn't just put that in the bin. He does bring it back at the end, and you know, we get a a nice put a smile on your face message at the end kind of thing so yeah now i feel like a schlub because i've come in with an 8.5 and you two boys are coming with a, a 10 so maybe i'll have to upgrade but i'm putting it in as an 8.5 at the moment um, you've got the weight of history on your shoulders man you have the responsibility of the every joe story ever list yeah yeah. Me and Matt, we coming in here, we just like, we had a hell of a good time reading these two. Yeah. There's intense weather, intense action, nostalgic callbacks to a bygone era. The characters are great. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah. How could it not be a 10? No, this that's fine. At its finest. That's fine. Um, I'm going to move on to the next one now, and even more political intrigue in this one. And I am just going to read the the brief catch-up, even though it doesn't really tell us much. In the jungles of Southeast Asia, a G.I. Joe team headed by Chuckles begins a dangerous operation. That's it. Mm -hmm. And this one is... There's tons of intrigue here and quite a lot to unpack, I think. And again, I can't... I've read it before, but I can't remember where it goes or what happens. I did have a brief flick forward to see 
the issues for next time and i think this is going to be this is a two-parter so we've got this one here and the first issue we cover next week will close out this two-parter but interesting stuff going on here yeah man like it a lot (laughs) my opening remark is going to be along the lines of have we ever seen a gi joe arc where there are is more than one female on the mission and I'm not talking about the instances where it's a Snake Eye Scarlet, Flint and Lady J double date kind of scenario. <laughs> this is like deep cover and you use your more varied roster. Everyone has a function. Like Lady yeah. J is inserted in plain sight. Chinx is working you know, as kind of a cover in like a, a medical aid. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like the point is... They all have their functions and there's no overlap. Because unfortunately, when, when you've got Scarlet on a mission, do you have room for Lady J's sort of specialties? Or if your focus is Jinx, how do you fit Scarlet or Lady J? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. And the more you, know, you see stories like this, the more I'm thinking, I don't want to say I'd rather have Jinx and Lady J than Scarlet, but I think you, they almost bring more to the table because you can almost do more with them because you, there's this kind of standardised view, I guess, of the most popular characters in any form of media. And if they kind of divert away from that, it's kind of like, uh... But here, you can... not that I'm not saying they're blank canvases that the writers and the creative team can do anything they want with, but it just feels a little bit fresher and newer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's not like a case of the token girl. No. Right, but it's also not hammering you over the head with kind of uh, <laughs> female representation, which unfortunately happens a little bit later in the, the modern GI Joe run, where you've just got an entirely female team, which is wonderful, but it does feel perhaps a little bit heavy-handed, right? Okay. <laughs> a little bit op- artificial, maybe. I don't yeah. know. We'll get yeah. there. I mean, this one when we see Chuckles and Lowlight, who are the other members on this team in Southeast Asia. Chuckles is spotting for low light with the sniper rifle out, and he's he's going to cap off this uh, Generalissimo Tep, who, it, as it turns out, they, they're waiting on the green light to basically assassinate this guy. Oh, I is, love this. Which is pretty heavy stuff for, for a G.I. Joe comic, I think. Yeah, but yeah. always, I mean, their orders hinge on the bureaucrats, the politicians. Yeah, yeah. It's such a nice note that Hammer has recalled from his, like, special missions run. It's like... We're out here to do a job, but we're being hamstrung by the people back at the Pentagon, yeah. you know, thousands of miles away. And but they're not they're not experiencing this as we are. Like no. we are handicapped. When the Generalissimo comes in in his attack chopper, and basically the locals are building this bridge because there's not uh, fifteen kilometers one direction, ten kilometers the other direction is the nearest bridges, and so they're building this kind of um, what would you call that bridge? Not like a a sort of rope suspension bridge is it almost yeah um which they're building across the uh, across the ravine and he doesn't like this uh, the, the generalissimo in charge so he's brought in the attack chopper and he started opening fire on all these civilians and lady J. and i think at this point low light probably would have put a few rounds into the chopper at the fuel tank or something maybe but i think he would have fired he says he's no. carrying boat tails i think this, he's got an armor piercing round he'd probably want to i think he, he he didn't even notice blood so he's like, let me just put a round through that, yeah, the the side of that helicopter. Yeah, but by the book, I guess, and they haven't been given the green light. But even though the enemy has effectively engaged, you think they might have done. But as it turns out, later on, no one was actually seriously, no one, no deaths, and no one was seriously injured in that particular attack. So maybe 
they were almost firing for effect in the chopper. Yeah, it is a bit suspect that no one was killed because they're very, very effective later on. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy seeing the internals of a hind attack helicopter. Okay. We've got like a cool like gunner uh, position shot from the inside. And you also see blood and Generalissimo Tep in the sort of the troop section of the hind. Yep. Something that I don't think we often see. Like no, oftentimes no. you're seeing it from the external. Yeah. What, what What's the capacity on one of these, do you think, then, interior, interior in that bit? Uh, six, maybe? Maybe okay. eight? I, I'm, I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. I suppose Google <laughs> could probably save my ass right about now. So you boys talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. yeah. I think six and eight is a reasonable guess. Okay. Mm. Okay. And this, I wonder if he's uh, been buying this off Darklon or not. I'm not sure. Is it Pythonized? Mm. It's kind of got a grey camo deco effect. No. Possibly just uh, excess from the, the former Soviet bloc yep, yep. and a surplus. Do we know, and again, this is where I've read the issue about an hour ago and immediately I, I have questions about what happens in it. Do we know what this insurgent team is there for? They're there to effectively assassinate Generalissimo Tep, but do we know why? And what is Lady J's reason for going out in the open into the village how does her doing that aid their assassination mission uh, i'm just going out on a limb with assumptions here but obviously there's a connection to cobra uh with major blood being involved i don't know maybe they're just trying to uh root him out and expose that connection and, and find out what that uh, entails yeah uh, purely speculation though but I think maybe they didn't even know that Blood was there. It was when Low Light spotted him oh, in the yeah. chopper. I think that was the first time they said, actually, I recognise that guy's Blood. Hmm. So maybe he's just been hired on as a as a mercenary contractor, freelancer. But yeah, I'm, I mean, look, if you don't put Lady J out in the open, non-covert, working with the locals, then you don't get this story line. So yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I was just wondering if it's every ever kind of rationalized or if it even needs to be to be honest i'm probably just again picking peanuts out of poo you know what in the same vein as the special missions sometimes it's best not to have all the answers up front yeah like i yeah. i'm okay with that not once did i question like hold on why are these guys here yeah yeah again and again this that's it's not a negative for me at all it was just a, all a right question. I got the capacity on the uh the hind Go eight on. troops or four stretchers Okay, uh, right. So it's got a big, spacious uh, section behind the, the, the pilot and gunner. Yeah, yeah. Really, really big. Hmm. I'll tell you what I'm a big fan of in this issue. When the Generalissimo comes into the village to round up people, he's on a horse. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Proper old school. Good man. It looks like he's fairly well off. He's got some, you know, kind of flashy, expensive aviator glasses on. So I'm sure he can spring for a... You know, a little Humvee or a, even a limo or something, but he likes the horse, and no one else is on a horse, so I thought that kind of gives him a bit more stature. Those gold-rimmed Elvis glasses—I swear that's like a Rambo trope, isn't it? Yeah, probably. like uh, yeah, Vietnam, North Vietnamese, like general wearing his like he he loves Elvis, <laughs> so yeah. he's got these gold-framed sunglasses. Amazing. Yeah. There's a big twist near the end where. You know, Chuckles is reporting back to the pit. And then in Washington, D.C., you get the bit where it says, General Abernathy, the political situation in that country has gone fluid. There's a government coup going on right now. And the faction that Tep backs, 
Looks like the odds-on favourite to come out on top. Taking Tep off the board was good policy yesterday. Today it stinks. Special Ops people know the score when they sign up. So these bean-pushing, pencil-pushing, bean-counting scumbags have basically left the team hanging out to dry. Especially with the situation with Lady J. So they're almost going to get called off. But, you know, the situation, like I say, with Lady J is going south fast. Big time, dude. There were enormous emotional heartstrings being pulled at the end of this issue. I was not expecting it to go where it went. No, no. Oh, when, yeah, you're right. So just, you know, if you haven't read it, then what happens here is Blood has kind of got, or Lady J's been circled out by Generalissimo. Blood recognises her as the member of the G.I. Joe team. Then some people stand up, some villagers stand up for Lady J as why to not assassinate her. And it's really powerful stuff. You know, they're, it's it's nice little contained speeches. And like you said, it was, again, this is very filmic and cinematic. And it was... It humanises the entire village. It really yes. does. It really does. And right te- before they're yeah. massacred. Well, Tep has kind of called off blood and he's let me think about it etc we need to discuss this further blood calls off blood they get back in the chopper retract they take lady j with them as a hostage uh chuckles jinx and low light get in their jeep and start driving down and then holy ball bags this bastard in this chopper launches out full on attack mode and basically kills everyone in the village apart from a little boy brutal Hmm. and i read that as premeditated yeah. And you know why? Go on. Chuckles goes on. I think it's Chuckles. Um, they go on to describe that magnesium, white phosphorus, and thermite was used. Right. Now, the hind has rocket pods. Those aren't a kind of a, a, a weapon that you can select different firing modes. You, you preload right. the rocket pods with what kind of uh, payload you want to use. And if it was white phosphorus, that means it was the stuff that... Just burns shit real quick. Willy P. So all those huts, like it was clearly that helicopter set off with the intent to massacre this village. Yeah. That's my reading of it, at least. Yeah. And like I say, there's one little boy and it's Lan, who Lan was the kind of head guy who was helping to organize and build this bridge. And it says it's Lan's son. And then Chuckles, man, this is fist-pumping stuff at the end. <laughs> to hell with the Pentagon. Generalissimo Tep just wrote his own firing order. I'm getting goosebumps just <laughs> reading that line now. It's like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I don't, page I, turner. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, even now talking with you guys about it, it's coming through even stronger than when I read it to myself. Co- comics, as with everything, have this uh, great ability to stir up emotions and just the written word and the text married with the the images can be really powerful and I don't think I've read too many comics where I've really wanted someone to get it but here I want these scumbags dead by the end of this next issue yes sir you know justice I think I smell another 10 coming if they can wrap this up nicely (laughs) enough but yeah this was a fantastic issue and absolutely gutting yeah hard as hell the end adds so much weight yeah mm. you're right you're right it's and it played out the pacing again Tama and galan absolutely on top form here you know say what you will about the recent stuff and again i'm not up to date but i hear some you know grumblings about maybe larry losing his touch but even at the start of the idw run you you could have said he's going back to all the old tropes and things but these last you know four or five issues have just an absolute run of form you know arguably 
matches up to some of the best of the original Marvel series. You know, he's he's got interesting characters doing interesting things here, political backdrops, good guys, bad, bad guys, and yeah, just really, really looking forward to reading this next issue. In fact, I'm probably going to read it as soon as we wrap up this pod and then read it again ahead of recording next week. So, yeah. We're victims of our two-by-two two, uh, format, yes, Chief. I, I thought if I'd have read ahead a little bit earlier, which is something I did do back in the day, I would have actually said, let's cover three issues today. And then we could have concluded off the past, the previous one, and we could have covered both issues for this arc. But uh, alas, I did not have the foresight to, to read ahead. But I will maybe do that going forward. If there becomes a clear breaking point for a story arc and we have to cover three issues, we'll do that. But we'll obviously let the listeners know in advance which issues we will cover. So, uh, Chief, I'm not crucifying you for it at all. To be honest, <laughs> I like doing the reread in almost real time. So the day okay. of the recording of this episode yeah. is when I read the comic book. And if it ends in a cliffhanger... Man, am I pumped. <laughs> I, I think it would almost be, a, a, you know, it would kind of give me a sense of, of jeez, uh, what's the word? Not conclusiveness. Um, uh, 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 I don't uh, know. Completion. Uh, Capitulation. <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't remember this word. Yeah. Stumped. Okay. Well, you can uh, either geez, leave that it, in or edit it out so you don't look like a fool. It's up to you. I, I look like a fool enough. I'm going to leave that one out. Um, yeah, no. This, this is twisting this man's melon now. He, this is breaking his brain. <laughs> okay. okay. You think of, you think about it. Um, again, uh, I'm not going to yo-jo this because I'm going to wait till the, the following episode. But uh, Matt, as you're the guest here, how do you think this is leaning in terms of a score? What what you're looking to give it? Uh, I'm going to f- geek out and fanboy on this and, and go with a 10. I like the yep. juxtaposition from the last story. Uh, it's not just switching characters out and keeping the same sort of scenario. It's switching characters out, switching the location. Uh, we're introduced to a new bad guy. We don't know uh, what he's done or why he's bad. The whole issue is just telling us he's bad. And, and then at the end we get this example of how bad he actually is yep. uh makes the good guys look really good the bad guys look really bad uh, i just think it's a marvelous storytelling uh that, that's a 10 for me yeah brilliant brilliant i think this is like you know you've summed it up perfectly there this is one of those stories just a little two issue one but could easily get overlooked in the grand scheme of things when you kind of look back at great joe story arcs or even just great great stories as a whole from the last 10 years you know this 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 is good good stuff, man. And I guess you're leaning towards the ten as well, Mister S. Jobs. <laughs> and I've managed to get my brain out of first gear. Closure, closure, closure. closure. As simple as that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If I read the second part of this uh, story, we would have closure, and I wouldn't be as like pumped. Maybe I wouldn't be on tenterhooks like I yeah, am. Now. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to for next week. But um, we're done with the comics for now. I think it's time to confuse some people. We'll try our best to confuse Matt because it's time for Commonwealth colloquialisms. We gotta put in, we gotta put in, we're gonna over-egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms, we got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. <laughs> okay, s Jobs, are you sandwiching me this week? Mate, I, th- I mean, Chief, <laughs> I, I thought we'd get some, some Canadian slang, Ooh, so I, okay. I didn't want to overload it. I'm just going with the South African. Sorry, Ozzy, I've, I've let you guys down uh, this, this evening. Um, but if I was to say, and I'm not sure this is exclusively South African, so stop me if I'm wrong. 
But uh, if I was say to say I was caning it, yes, what do you imagine I I'd be I, doing? I, I I think I know that. So, but we'll open it up to Matt. Wow, uh, that's that's new on me. Um, I'm gonna say um, maybe like injured or like deficient. You're you're Ooh. caning it yeah. like I've been caned. Can I step in? Yeah, please. You can step into the ring. Matt's weighed in. What if you, got you are caning it, you're going full throttle. So if you were in a Shit, car yeah. and you're caning it, you're going as fast as you can. Okay, well, that is indeed a Commonwealth colloquialism. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very familiar with that not, in the UK. Uh, not a Frenchie. But, um, <laughs> uh, I was just thinking, actually, I never we never posited this before we recorded, but I don't know if you've got one to hand, Matt, if you've got a Canadian colloquialism. I do. Sleeve. Yeah, okay, I, I absolutely do. Uh, at least I think it's Canadian. It might be localized to like Eastern Canada. Now I'll give you a little uh, premise, a setup. So yep. after work, you're out at the uh, the pub with some buds and uh, bands playing and whatever, having some brews. And every few songs, the band yells "sociable." What does that mean? <laughs> what? Okay, sociable. Yeah. Everybody take a shot. Yeah, I'll be guessing <laughs> if I said anything, but I would probably go with what S-Job said, yeah. Yeah, you, you pretty much got it. It just means okay. drink. Drink a lot. Drink whatever right. you have. What's in your hand? Drink that now and go get another. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Okay, down-downs. Yeah, I would say even though we guessed it, that wasn't... If someone did that over here in the UK and just shouted out sociable, you know, 99% of the people in there wouldn't know what to do, it was, you know because most of the people are idiots. But it's not what I mean is it's not a common phrase in the UK at all. Gotcha. Agreed. I'd say Mate is definitely leading the charge on this one. I've uh, I have okay. failed. <laughs> Matt, you're, I, you've got a point, sir. What I have you got, had, I, had th- I had three written down that I was going to use over the next three weeks. By, I say I had three written down. That's a lie. I've got two written down because I forgot what the third one was. So I'm going to give you one of these two. Which one do you want? Do you want number one or number two? Ooh. A guest's choice. Uh, give me number one. Number one. Okay. If I said I was going to go and have some bangers, what what would I be having? Uh, hot dogs. Uh, close enough. Sausages. Sausage. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Not that to be is that confused with a club banger, <laughs> <laughs> yes. A club banger, as in a hot tune. There you go. Okay. Uh, like the track to um, "Bad Luck Lady." There's some, <laughs> there's some baggers in there for sure. <laughs> Damn, Matt. Okay, I'll introduce you to my buddy Paul, who did the tracks. Nice. I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. It's got a weird dissonant sound that took me a while to get used to. Oh, it's so good. Thank you. I'll pass that on. He will will be very, very pleased. Cool, cool. Um, Yeah, so I think Matt actually won that round, really, I think. Did he? Indeed. Um, Beginner's luck. Good stuff. Good stuff. Should we play the national anthem? (laughs) Are you going to stand up and clasp your hand to your heart? Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say we did that right yeah, that all yeah, happened yeah, 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 yeah. underscore <laughs> okay listen uh, we've got to the part of the show that i've been most looking forward to we're going to have a bit of a good chat with matt about toy photography that's one of the reasons we got him on yeah, basically, I'm just going to get straight into it. How did you kind of fall into toy photography? And was it something you had on the back burner for a while or something that just you, you'd seen other people's work and you got inspired? 
actually, neither of those. I kind of accidentally fell into it. Uh, it all started from building dioramas and displays just for my own personal collection. Um, been collecting for years. Uh, and, and I wanted like muzzle flares and muzzle effects and rockets and explosions and stuff. But I, I didn't design that or build those or whatever to for the express purpose of taking pictures and posting them. That was kind of an afterthought. And after I had completed a couple of dios and had some explosions and whatnot, like, oh, I should, you know, just post these on, uh, on the Instagram and that they got a little bit of attention. So that, that's kind of how that happened. Uh, after, after posting a couple pics, I realized I knew nothing about photography or lighting <laughs> or, or anything like that. So I, I just had my iPhone as a camera. So a big learning experience, but I love, uh, learning new skills and, uh, in my downtime, I mean, it, it really busy in the summer around here for an audio engineer downtime in the winter. So I often have months off and I'll just use that time to learn a new skill like, um, electrical engineering or, uh, um, drawing or something like that. And yeah, last winter it happened to be toy photography. Good stuff. Good stuff. And on a toy front, hmm. had you, um, collected lots of different action figures as a kid and and do you use the the ones that you use in your set pieces are they still some originals or have you been purchasing like mad uh, a bit of both um gi joe was my main focus as a kid had some transformers a little bit of ninja turtles air raiders starcom but never collected any of those things only gi joe was collection uh my friends were moving on to other things turtles were really big with my friends and yeah, it just didn't interest me so i kind of stuck with joe uh in the pictures it's a combination of new stuff i found on ebay some trades and customs but a lot of it is uh is my original collection i'll let steve get a word in, in a minute i swear <laughs> but um so you speaking about trades we had a couple of uh, listeners pop up with some questions joe hunter 73 first of all wanted to say thanks for the trade he did with you a, a few months ago um, and he said uh, Matt's work is so damn impressive and he's humbled enough to share his work on how he creates his magic so props again and he's got a question here um, with everything you create do you ever keep any of it on permanent display yes uh, like I said when I started this it was just building for my own display purposes so the first one I did it's a two feet by four foot crashed sky striker uh, three explosions on the sky striker that's permanently on display in my Joe room uh, the AVAC taking off the um, uh, trouble bubble uh, the Mobat blowing up uh, all those are permanently on display in my Joe room and uh, then I've got a bunch of explosions and effects and um, some two by two foot square uh, terrain that I just use for my daily photos. Cool, good stuff. Hmm. Um, it, actually, Joe's got another another question here. What's your favorite years of GI Joe, real American hero? Eighty two to eighty five. There you go. <laughs> Simple, <laughs> the done. Sweet spot. Yeah. Um, and again, we can kind of come on to this when I start telling you about some of my favorite pieces of yours. He's also asked, um, do you have a top five of your own work? But we'll maybe come onto that a bit later, sure. if indeed you do. There was another question that came in here. I'll just get this. This is from Dave. Uh, Dave says, do you make your own props or do you get them from somewhere? I make my own. Okay. And in terms of that, I'll, I'll kind of feed off of that. Do you? How do the ideas germinate? Does, does something come into your head and then you think, I need to make that prop? Or do you just start dicking around sometimes making things and then construct the piece from the outside in? Yes. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a little bit of both. Um, sometimes it's like I have an idea of how to execute a particular effect, but I don't know how to use it. And then uh, I'll read something in a story, or something will remind me of something that happened, and then I know how to implement that in yep. my photography. Um, a case in point being um, lighting gel looking like water if you hit it with light a certain way. And uh, I, I was mm, con- deep six destroying the bug. Exactly. Yeah. I was. Uh, I, Holy I shit. knew had to do that water effect for a while but i wasn't really sure how i wanted to use it and pull it off and finally i realized uh, yeah it's got to be with deep six v2 yeah that must be a cool moment when you develop a new technique or you you see a technique and you try it out for yourself for the first time and it comes off it must be quite rewarding oh wow yeah yeah it's uh it's like crack I've never done crack, but I can only imagine that that is the feeling you get from crack. And you're not selfish with your crack, dude. Uh, You you give us a behind the scenes on pretty much everything. I am going to mercilessly poach some of your techniques. Absolutely. The star cloth for the Phantom X-19 shot. Ah, yeah. Masterful idea. Use natural light. It'll actually show on photography. Yeah. That's incredible, man. Well done. Yeah. For anyone in the dark, I don't know, Matt, do you want to explain uh, how you got the star field behind your phantom? Yeah, I, I used my big picture window in um, in the front room of my house, and I, I took a bunch of cardboard boxes, collapsed those all down, and broke them up, and built basically a eight foot by six foot sheet of cardboard and spray painted that all black. Didn't have to be too fancy or anything, and uh, then just um, had some knives and poked holes in the thing, and till I got something that looked random and chaotic and taped that up to the uh, the picture window in the front and the X-19 went in front of that and that's how you get your star field. It only works in the daytime, though. Yeah. Defiance up next, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Wicked. I want to see that bad style. Um, well, I'll jump back to listener questions. I've got yeah. one from uh, They Gone and... Okay, interesting. Do you believe your art draws more influence from the past and how the action would play out in our minds? Or is it trying to become its own narrative? Or is there a balance between the two? There's definitely a balance. I mean, uh, the recreations and the box art and, and the comic books and whatnot, those are drawing from a specific source. But oftentimes setting those things up and thinking about those storylines and and whatnot interesting ideas pop into my head so i'm constantly developing uh, new ideas and new storylines and even new characters and the thing i love about gi joe so much and this goes back to the cartoon and the comics being so different when i was growing up it was always just implied that it's okay to have different continuities and gi joe can be something slightly different or very different to many different people and it doesn't encroach or step on that other continuity so you can have the animated series and the uh the comic be completely separate and tied at the same time so i I really love that about gi joe and i've been trying to think of another property that is kind of the same way and i haven't really found it yet yeah yeah and you know obviously we're here on the Talking Joe podcast, but anything is free reign. And, you know, going through your, your Insta account early on, there were quite a lot of Transformers pieces in there. Yeah. And was it a conscious decision to mainly focus on G.I. Joe? There's a cool, actually, uh, He-Man Skeletal one you did recently, but the focus is mainly G.I. Joe. Was Is that just because that's your main love or just because of... I don't know, a conscious decision that they, they, the toys you had, et cetera? Uh, 
definitely my main love. Um, back when I very first started, um, all of my uh, my Ara figures were in storage, so I only had a few of the modern uh, and some of the Transformers uh, MP knockoffs and whatnot that I got. So I was just using what I had on hand, and when I finally got to uh, to my original collection and broke that out and went on eBay and started adding to that, I realized that, okay, yeah, I, I'm not really interested in photographing modern, even though they're, they're super articulate and easy to set up and make them look good. I really like the challenge of trying to get something uh, more out of a figure that wasn't exactly designed to be superposable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my man's a purist. <laughs> <laughs> Liberation through limitation. There's also some magic to using the original figures with their intended vehicles. Yes. Like there's a synergy there that is broken when you setting modern figures against vintage vehicles. I know that's a controversial thing to say. There is a vintage and modern split in the collecting um, community, but it's always been my opinion that like 82 and 85 belongs in that set. Yes. And they should be, you know, worshipped almost as that kind of complete perfect run it's beautiful because it is finite exactly and they belong together yes yes Mm. yeah good stuff um got another question here this is from mark uh he says what was your childhood experience with gi joe did you have the toys and comics i guess we've kind of covered that you know to a certain extent and he's got another question here which is when are you when you're doing uh, photo setups do you ever get lost in play oh boy <laughs> 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 yeah um um i'm a little bit ocd and uh I, sometimes i get distracted easy and yeah so um it's kind of a juxtaposition between focusing on one thing and having to complete that task or getting distracted and running off in a in a different direction but last yeah. uh, last sunday i i just had this random thought hey i should put together my black major uh snake eyes that i had apart um uh, a bat inspired black major snake okay, eyes yeah, yeah. so through the course of putting him back together and that's just an o-ring and a screw and like what's that two two minutes maybe maybe five yeah. minutes uh well that turned into a project of creating a custom uh classified inspired o-ring snake eyes that turned into a three and a half day project which then <laughs> evolved into six different photos and yeah so that five minute little thing i was going to do yeah. last sunday took all last week yeah wicked love yeah. it love it um and mark, mark finishes off with a, a bit of a philosophical posing amusing um i wonder that as we get older it's harder to be lost in the pure imaginative play in the same way we do when we were children. Toy photography allows us to try and recapture that to some degree in terms of interacting with the toys and having a slightly more legitimate outlet by photography with a defined output, the photos, which is then justified by our peers, social media, likes and comments. What are your thoughts on this? Quite a deep one there. I I agree with that dichotomy. Uh, And it's something I think about quite often. Like if I wasn't taking pictures and posting them, uh, how would I be playing with my toys and how would I be using them? I think I'd probably be doing the same thing, um, probably a little heavier on the building of the dios, like the, the permanent dios. 
but I don't think there's any wrong way to to play with a toy. So it's great to have that that feedback and the social aspect of it. But I I just really enjoy the um, the community of the whole thing and seeing what others are doing and getting yeah. inspired from from that and. Uh, just watching other people's play patterns it's uh, <laughs> enablers yes <laughs> but, uh, just the tip of the iceberg well look i mean for some people it's their families i know a lot of uh fathers love to pass on their love of gi joe to their kids and it kind of becomes reciprocal that way mm. i could rattle off a few names right now but uh, I, i'm sure you guys are listening and you know who you are but also for me it's it's a, it's also about the community and about coming together with friends of mine like we just upgraded the way we play. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's it. It's, it's not practical to, to get our Joes out at the bottom of the garden anymore. But uh, this stuff is, it's quality work on top of the fact that it is still play at its heart. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I've, I've pulled off a few of my favorite images just to let you, Ooh. of your pieces. Um, I actually, the first one I've got here is, is from uh february 26 2019 and this is the down sky striker with airborne helping ace yes and the, and the rattler in the background um is this the one you spoke about earlier about the the, the that one is with this? the one just after uh the one i spoke about okay. um i think the title was let's blow up a spare sky striker right uh, and then the last picture that there's multiple pictures there and the very last picture in that is the uh the top-down view of the Sky Striker with the three explosions. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it all yeah. started. Love that shot. Just a lot, lot of story behind that one. Just just love the story of that. Fantastic. Uh, then I'm going on to... This is March 30, 2019. This is the Firebat launching. Ah, uh, yeah. The effect there is just incredible. Uh, I was really happy with the way that turned out. Um, the moon in the background is just a flashlight shining on my wall. Uh, okay. the, the sky is from a projector, uh, 5k data projector that no longer turns on. So I'm not using that anymore, but, uh, yep. I, I just put that out of focus and shine a Vista onto the wall and, uh, the, uh, the rocket takeoff exhaust, that's just cotton, uh, glued to some chicken wire with some, um, gel, cellophane lighting gel inside and a, uh, led light bulb. Brilliant. And then the shot of Destro inside the firebat, the the arc and the movement, I just get this sense of, you know, he has he's pulled a hard right turn through the clouds. Really clever. Thank you. That uh, Thank that you. was again a lot of fun to build. I I still have that effect hanging up actually in my front door, so every time oh, I right. come <laughs> I come home, cool. that effect's sitting right there. Um next I'm moving on to May 2nd, 2019. I'll post all these up on the up on the, the social media so everyone can reference which images we're talking about. Nice. This is the the cover or not the cover, the uh, image from issue thirty-four showdown, which is um the Rattler versus the Sky Striker, and they're uh, kind of passing each other. There's a question about uh, do I have a top five? And I okay. do. There are no particular order except this is number one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is incredible. It's so it's so accurate to the actual final, and you posted the final panel up there. It's oh, it's just a joy. That was a lot of stress and a lot of fun and a lot of joy. I'm pretty sure I wept when I finally got the picture. Uh, it was a day worth of building the effects, a day worth of setting it up, and then a day worth of me just trying to get the right light and getting the right look so three day shot okay. for that one okay here's, here's a question actually as i i've got a couple more but is there a 
stress point or do you find there are times when you've put in all this work created a load of stuff and you're not happy with the result or you can't get the desired effect you were you're aiming for does that ever happen it does and those are the pictures i don't post <laughs> okay <laughs> but do, do you are you able to to mentally kind of treat it as a learning learning curve a learning experience rather than kind of dwell on it oh yeah absolutely there's there's no wasted time i mean uh, it's not a, a success or fail or pass or fail type thing i'll learn something maybe i'll develop a uh, a different strategy or learn something about the camera or uh about lighting or yeah, something. I'll take something out of it, even though I didn't get my intended success. There will be some sort of success I can take from that experience and apply it somewhere else. So, yeah, yeah there's no failures, just different ways of looking at success. Cool, cool. I've got two more. I just want to pinpoint here. Yeah. Uh, and again, I pretty much like universally like everything you've done. So this is <laughs> I'm just picking out a few here. But this one is from July 20, 2019, and this is the eels. Uh, we've got three eels in the shot. The the one in the middle is in the focus, and they're kind of coming out of a, the little raft. It's amazing. Very happy with that one too, uh, especially the way the water turned out. That's one of the few ones that I got a print of for myself. Okay, uh, that one and the um, the issue thirty four are yeah. uh, sitting in my Joe room. Yeah, that's just brilliant. And then lastly, I'm just going to touch on one of the most recent ones. It might even be the most recent, the Zartan Firefly handshake. Yeah, that's the most recent. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, nice job. Thank Good you. callback. But also a fantastic dio setting. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that more than uh, what the artist had going on in the issue. I mean, it's so detailed. Is that Zartan's cabin or was that a sort of more teched out environment that you imagine? Uh, it was Zartan's cabin, but um, from okay. going back and reading it, uh, he had some sort of cloaking device that made it look uh, rustic. Oh, yes. And then uh, how about... Uh, uh, more updated and he flicks a switch or something and the whole place just turns into this <laughs> yeah technology zone uh very purple and blue in the background in the comic so that's why i kind of went with that purple and blue lighting scheme and um, but i really wanted the um the arm to be silhouetted in that yellow so there was a lot of very meticulous firing of the hazer machine to get just the right amount of haze to hang in the air long enough that no one else is all washed out and it frames the arm and yeah that that was a struggle yeah the glow on the arm is perfect jeez yeah incredible i imagine there might have been three dozen um bad takes before you you finally got the haze to uh, line up right 143 <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I, love it. I kind of don't want to ask like how many ma man hours go into each setup i mean but it varies the joy wide. of it like the, the the juice is worth the squeeze these are standalone pictures man you are peerless wow thank you hmm. i think me and steve spent the same hours earlier in the week and today just just going through the insta and just like just i don't know i can't stop scrolling through and clicking on images and, and zooming in and just just i just really dig your work man amazing thank you i have a question for you guys though since you you brought that up uh the um the graphic you threw up on um uh twitter maybe instagram but i, I don't think i okay. saw it I, yeah. i'm just curious um why those particular images it was honestly just i wanted to randomly pick six nice Six picks. It was it was purely that. Awesome. Um, I did. I didn't want to pigeonhole <laughs> myself into trying to choose my favorite six, or 
I don't know. It's just a, a, a random variety of your work. Cool. Yeah. Steve's just sent me a picture. I'm gonna. He's nudging me in this direction. I do want to talk about it. There's right. one here from May 28th, 2019, and it's the recreation of cover. Is that cover 61? I think. Yeah. Is that isn't that your favourite cover, Chief? Uh, no, no. The Stalker, uh, Quick Kick, yeah. and um, Snow Job. No, I think we mentioned last week when we were talking about covers favorite covers a lot of people said 47 was their favorite cover of the series oh, yes. and i said i preferred this cover as which is on, on a similar vein three joes on the front kind of firing at an unseen enemy but um yeah great job there you know even the wall looks bullet ridden <laughs> i see barbed wire is that chicken wire along the top as well no i uh i cut that out that wire out myself i made every barb by hand uh soldered it all together i mean it's this kind of attention to detail that sets it apart because no one's gonna bemoan or begrudge you for you know using pre-existing wire but i guess making it yourself you get the exact end result that you're looking for. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not against cheating. If I can find something that's that's <laughs> perfect, I will definitely throw it in. But anything that I had on hand, the scale was just too big, and and uh, trying to force the perspective really didn't work because I needed that specific angle for the cover. So it's like, well, right. I I just have to make some barbed wire. Yeah, I know. There's some some of my friends definitely are, are budding toy photographers and have you got and i probably should have briefed you this beforehand but have you got any you know two or three very simple techniques that pretty much anyone can try at home with things they've got maybe i don't know for effects of uh, fog or lighting or things like that any just you know real simple stuff that, that the regular joe like me wouldn't have a clue about now i don't necessarily consider myself a toy photographer i just like to take pictures of my gi joes so okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not really a, a, a definitely not a professional i don't really know a lot about photography but my go-to that's so self-deprecating <laughs> hasbro would be so lucky to have you on payroll back in the 80s man uh, you would sell a lot of toys oh, with these images you. let me just say my Anyways, uh, continue. my my go-to when it comes to photography my they're not really golden rules but i find when i follow these two rules i usually get a result that I like, even if it's not the result I intended. Uh, keep the lens below the eye line of the subject that you're shooting, so you get that looking up okay. angle. It's more epic and dynamic. Um, and a small little aside to that is don't have the subject looking right into the camera. It looks like it's contrived and posing. So, you know, yep. just kind of tilt their head a little bit off the side or whatnot. And number two is um, two points of light on either side of the key person you're trying to light over their shoulder so you get that rim light and that really helps uh, differentiate your subject from the background and gives it that depth of feel and the 3d effect and it'll make your your subject pop brilliant yeah very good very good uh i will might, might even try some of those techniques myself <laughs> <laughs> i highly recommend it spot on yeah i enjoy the fact that you're framing sometimes cuts off characters from the feet from the the thighs like a lot of people with toy photography this is a trend that i hope people start bucking is they almost make it too much like a toy catalog and they're selling the action figure they yeah. want them completely framed you know head to toe everyone's in long shot you vary your framing quite nicely and then there's a great storytelling to it which is fantastic i refer specifically to lady J blasting away in uh, what was essentially a Dio story, I assume, Operation Trick-or-Treat. Yeah, that was a little collaboration between me and another uh, buddy on Instagram, the Papalicious. Um, yes. 
Uh, he's uh, big with G.I. Joe Nation and admin there. And we were just having a conversation one Sunday morning. I have to mention something about, oh, I got to go set up a Cobra Sunday shot. And he said, well, what are you doing? I described it to him real quick. And uh, he said, well, I have an idea that goes along with that. You post yours. I'll post the second part. And it was just going to be that two-parter. And we had so much fun. We just kind of went back and forth. I think we got up to eight or nine parts. And uh, it, it was total Larry style. Like I posted a picture and then he did the second part based on what I posted and I wouldn't know what he, yeah. So, uh, I'm like, well, um, if Flint's been captured, then obviously Lady J is going to, uh, bring some pain and yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how that went. Uh, interesting aside, I got a, a text message from my mom last night saying, uh, something about, uh, she thought there should be more, um, female uh, toy characters females should be better represented in gi joe and i immediately sent her that pic and i said mom yep. i want you to meet lady j <laughs> <laughs> ah, she is a very sweet. strong female role and if you notice uh, her man is being assisted out of the complex by another strong female role scarlet so yep. yeah gi joe has no problem on that front Brilliant. outstanding and you're pioneering another way to play you know it's a it's a it's a free form rpg through Epic photography. Huh. Bounced between two authors. Yes. That's fantastic. And in terms of both female representation and a worm's eye view, I don't know if you can get more epic than RC and Scarlet with Omega, <laughs> Omega Supreme collapsing in the background. That is some incredible force perspective, man. It gets the enormous epic size of Omega Supreme. It's like, wow, it, it, it's a real eye-opener when you... Do watch the behind the scenes because obviously, you know, Omega's a huge toy, but he's nowhere near the kind of scale that he's portrayed as in this image. I mean, this is some Tom Sholey shit, man. This is incredible perspective work. That was so hard to pull off. Um, I had this. Sh- well, you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I had this idea for a shot for a very long time, way before I even got the uh, Omega Supreme. Uh, happened to be on tour around Christmas time. Popped in a local comic shop. He was there for like just stupid cheap. Uh, so no shipping and import charges, none of that. And uh, used my Christmas bonus and picked him up and got him home. Like I can't wait to shoot this. I got the exact shot. I know what I'm gonna do. And he was like. Uh, 25% bigger than the dial I was going to use. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I'm like, well, okay, I got to bend him over real quick and and uh, contort him to get him into this shot and get some effects in there. And yeah, I mean, it didn't turn out how I had it in my head, but what comes across in the in the picture is what I was intending. So yeah, I called it a win. He is the backdrop. Yes. That's what makes it work. Yeah. It's so epic. And and further to my point of like, we're not seeing the characters perfectly framed from foot to, to head. It's it's very cinematic. It's very selected. There's a ton of pictures out there that are framed, as as you said. And, and like I don't need to add more of what's out there. I, I like to kind of do my own thing and be original and unique. And yeah, I guess that kind of pushed me in that direction. It makes it a story and not a product shot. Right. Exactly. That is that that is you've nailed it there. It's yeah, it is a story, a story in an image. And, you know, yeah, I just I just love it. I just looking at them all now again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. We've gushed enough, haven't we, Chief? Um, yeah, I actually was going to ask a question. This is my 
naivety and, and again I, I don't want to sound like a broken record but I feel a bit like a part-timer sometimes in the G.I. Joe community because I don't necessarily know everything and everyone and, and all the products and things that are going on but and, and this is a, a new kind of thing for me toy photography in terms of being a a fan of it so have you got a couple of names of people that I need to check out Ooh, uh let me see here or is that am i putting you on the spot there i don't want to i don't want to uh, i don't want to get you in trouble no no not at all uh the papalicious does nice stuff um billy kessler uh edwin 80s doing some awesome things gi joe 85 cobra rules cybertron i'm just gonna like list all of yeah, my, do it. people that i follow <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of great stuff out there yeah and i think like you you know I, I think i have even touched on some of those guys works that you mentioned and it is cool that you know different people are doing different things which is which is nice there's no standard template there's no standard model that everyone needs to adhere to you know you you kind of run run with your ideas and there's no right and wrong is there you know if you come up with something cool and you try it out you may have to take 143 different shots till you get the perfect one but you know everyone has the ability to get there in the end exactly matt my parting shot buddy uh normally by way of introduction i want to know what everyone's favorite joe figure cobra figure vehicle is i suppose you can answer that if you want to but what i really want to know is something that dawned on me in the last couple of days is there a single character that you identified with most as a child and do you identify with someone different now as an adult or is it still the same are you consistent it's still the same it's duke oh wow okay True blue, all um, Canadian hero. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, man. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Great. Duke was my first favorite. Um, I maybe five years old, four years old. Uh, watching the cartoon, he, he was kind of the showrunner in the the cartoon, at least. Not a lot of Snake Eyes action in the cartoon. I mean, he's he's got some dance routines and some <laughs> some cross dressing going on. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they had to make him boy george my god oh wow yeah no as a kid duke was uh was my number one later it turned into snake eyes and, and snake eyes is my favorite character uh favorite figure as well but yeah duke holds a special place i mean he's that boy scout um he's got this core values stands up for his core values um yeah and he's going to kick the mustard out of that hot dog that's it that's it <laughs> did you see diagnostic 80 put out a top 10 snake eyes action figures video on the full force youtube channel check that out i think that came out a couple of weeks ago or this week really good really really good and uh some some off the wall choices for his top 10 snake eyes figures there so check that one out but um, amazing yeah i have to check that out for sure yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> 1991 for the win well, <laughs> check it out and you you know then you can either pick a bone with him or, or or agree with him listen it's been amazing you coming on the show thanks so much for spending the time with us here if the good folks want to check out your work i'm sure they already know but for those first time listeners uh, where can they find your work at meet myler on instagram and believe it or not at the ghost machina on twitter and uh yeah that's a whole nother story for another another day <laughs> <laughs> good stuff good stuff um how do we close this show out steve i forget i missed you duke yeah by about <laughs> that much <laughs> oh, uh, i don't know Chief, we just say goodbye yeah. everybody yo we, joe we, we say we say we say check us out on uh talking underscore joe on twitter it's talking joe comics on instagram talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook hit us up on email talking joe comics at gmail.com 
if you want to help us out you can go to the little purple icon apple podcast rate us give us five stars tell them uh, chief and s jobs and make Milas sent you so yeah i think that's about it and uh i gave us five stars did you good man good <laughs> yeah, i think i was the first person to review talking i was gonna i was gonna say did you give us five stars after you came on as co-host no, <laughs> no i'm joking i'm joking I, was, I think i was the first person to write you an email as well i think you were like you were like oh the the, the second someone uh writes us a question uh, I'll, I'll send them something uh, i don't know did you get something no, you didn't, i didn't send you anything no mate you you i asked you you and ben what your favorite action figures and vehicles were and you were like mm-hmm, we kind of answered that in the award show but i was like no the overall oh, right we were snubbing you back then were we jeez <laughs> big heads over here the, the scars run deep buddy that's it that's it um I got some interesting artwork actually recently. Closing, you know, this catch up was for the front of the show. I'm going to put it at the back now, but um, I think I put it up. I had a few two rum and cokes last night, so I can't remember. But there was one hooded Cobra Commander's daughter was doing commissions, and she did oh, one yeah. a talking Joe with Chief and Steve, Chief uh, as Destro and Steve as Stalker. I saw those just before Excellent. I came on. They're, they're great. Yeah, that's quality. And I've got another one coming from a guy called Dean Beatty who has done another Talking Joe with Cesspool and Crystal Ball. And once I get a high-res scan, I will post that one up as well. Nice. But you've seen it. You've seen that one, S-Jubs. So uh, I think that's a good one as well. We famous, Chief. <laughs> we got caricatures and everything. <laughs> Damn. Listen. Uh, Goody's <laughs> daughter is one talented little chick. Yeah, yeah Audrey. Yeah, props to Audrey for, for that. Thanks yeah. so much for that commission. Thank you. But uh, it's been a fun pack show. I've had an absolute blast. Thanks to our guest, Mate Myler, a.k.a. Matt Miller. And with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. Joe Joe. Joe.